0: time on still waters. This is NB 506812 narrow casting into the night from somewhere on Britain's waterways 10th of April Saturday I'll show you something wonderful. Go through the little swing gate in front of you. Keep straight on. Go through the next gate into the field over which the ravens call. Keep walking to the canal on your right. Mind your footing, the ground is a bit lumpy and can be boggy when wet. The sun should be rising in front of you, a little to your left. And there you will see a tangled old blackthorn tree fallen in last year's storms, crushing the barbed wire fence beneath it. And today, it's wreathed in an aura of delicate white petals that smell of honey jars. Even fallen trees can blossom. This is the Narabait back narrow casting to you on a spring April night. There's no moon tonight and the skies are heavy and there's a slight risk of snow and the temperatures are dropping. It's the kind of night that cries out for the Ovaltine of Wayne and Amanda and Wilma, the NB wannabes, in big steaming mugs. And welcome aboard and it's good to be back. And a huge thank you to everybody who got in contact with us, inquiring after us and asking about the process of taking the air care out of the water and the blacking and how we're getting on. Uh, thank you. Uh, there's far too many people to to actually mention. And I really apologise. If I haven't replied to you, I've tried to reply to everybody, but the internet was really patchy where we were. I did read them, um and, but I couldn't always reply immediately and then you know how it goes, you sometimes can't find or you think you think you've done everything and, and you haven't. So but I really do appreciate it and we both appreciate it, so thank you. And so yes, we are now overjoyed to be reunited with the Erica and to be back on board. And it seems the surest way to find out, really, where your home is, is to leave it for a while. And Penny, Donna and I are back home. She was craned back in the water yesterday, under a very stubborn sky streaked with rain and the chill of a northern clime. And it's been a real roller coaster of a ride. But tired but happy we're back. It's been just over a week since we left her, but we're now back aboard and the stoves are relit and everything feels warm and cozy again. A couple of people have been asking about blacking and what is it and why do we do it? Well, narrowboats' hulls are made of steel and metal and water don't usually make the greatest combination. And so the process of corrosion and rust is minimized as much as possible by covering the hull with thick coats of black waterproof bitumen based paint and hence the term blacking. You you black or well, you cover the, the hull with this black paint. And over time that covering will get scraped or just simply wear down. And the idea is that the paint, rather than the steel, is the thing that takes the roughest treatment. And so every two to three years, depending on hours, number of hours cruising, the wear and tear, etc., the hull needs to be repainted or re-blacked. And that was what we were doing. The other job that we needed to do, and, and actually allied to this whole process of trying to protect the steel of the hull, was to get some more anodes fitted Actually, the word anodes and their counterpart cathodes always takes me back to the strange-smelling science labs of school with their slightly sticky wooden workbench surfaces and the gas taps that whispered to a 14-year-old the promise of death. And the angular stainless steel clamps, and the test tubes that sputtered and then broke when you tried to cool them under the tap too quickly. And the graduated beakers, and the periodic table posters on the walls. And Mr Roberts, who looked like the other one from the man from UNCLE and who would later turn up as Ducky on NCIS standing in front of an unintelligible chalkboard before unveiling the cathode ray tube. Anodes on a narrowboat, or any other steel-hull boat come to that, may not have that charisma and quiet authority of Mr Roberts in his flailing white lab coat and knitted tie, but they are no less indispensable for that. The fit-out pontoon has one of the best definitions, so I will shamelessly pinch it from their website. By definition, an anode is an ingot of sacrificial metal attached to the underwater hull of a narrowboat or canal boat, which corrodes due to the electrolysis more readily than the hull or propeller. Magnesium anodes are fitted to boats in fresh water Aluminium anodes are fitted to boats in brackish water, and zinc anodes are fitted for salt water. You see, it's all to do with electrical currents and chemical reactions and noble metals, the warp and woof of Mr. Robert's world. I loved physics, and at times even more so than English and history. I loved the language the economy of equations, and how much could be conveyed in one weird, strange-sounding word that would roll satisfyingly around my tongue. The thing was, I was for some reason just not very good at it. Or at least I thought so, until one day standing on the canal bank And gently leaning my weight on the stern rope, I found I could swing the whole boat out into the canal. And opening sluices, I could rise five or six feet on water. And I realized that Mr. Roberts' quiet words of instruction, Economy of forces, pivot, fulcrum were not without some lasting effect. Canals make great physics classrooms. And once the Erica had been craned out and we could inspect the hull and the anodes that were already fitted, they seemed to be working fine, they had plenty of life left, the pitting showed their effectiveness, and there were still years in their lives of sacrifice left. But when we had the boat surveyed just prior to our purchasing it, the surveyor recommended that we added four more. I never want to take chances and armed with Mr. Roberts' high-grade CSE physics, I got six. And so along with blacking, six new anodes, low-profile magnesium, needed to be fitted. One of the other things that came up in the surveyors' report, which was something that we were already aware of, was that she was due for a new blacking. And the plan was that we would have her re blacked while we were still in the process of moving from house to boat so that we had somewhere to stay. Now, technically, you can still live aboard a boat when it's on dry land. But it does necessitate clambering up ladders, and that's something that Penny's just not able to do. However, as with everybody else, COVID got in the way, and when lockdowns and restrictions were lifted, the boatyards that were now open were fully booked, and there was just no way that we could actually get the Erica over to the boatyard to get her done. A number of other fellow boaters here were also in a similar position to us, either needing blacking or other work being done. So the long and convoluted road to getting the Erica blacked was underway. Everything really depended on getting a crane that was capable of hauling a boat out of a canal, lifting it high enough to clear a seven-foot hedge and set it down safely on some sleepers on the other side. And also somebody who could do the pressure wash, the hull, do the blacking, weld on the anodes and any other work that needed to be done. And both Donna and I being at work, although a lot of the work, it was fairly simple. We just couldn't guarantee that we would be free enough to to black. And also... This was all happening during the time where the COVID restrictions were slowly being lifted, but hotels and holiday lets were still closed and we needed somewhere to stay. This was further complicated by the fact that because the whole process is rather weather dependent, you can't blacken the pouring rain we couldn't guarantee how long the process would be taking. So asking people if we could stay somewhere, but not sure when we would be staying and for how long we would be staying was a pretty nightmarish task. There were so many moving parts to this mechanism, each with their own eccentric orbits that were difficult to predict. And we're pinning one down depended on the pinning of the other. And we needed to make sure that there was enough boats to make it financially viable to hire the crane, a boat mechanic being free, and us finding somewhere to stay. So hats off to David, who really the bulk of all the organisation fell to for actually getting this thing going. And initially, the the dates that we were provisionally given were set for sometime in February or perhaps early March and then mid-March. And we decided that our fallback plan for accommodation was to camp. We've got a couple of tents and we were going to pitch one tent inside another. And then dates allowing, the owner of a hire boat that's moored here offered his boat in which we could stay. And the only problem was that he was in the process of selling it and we needed to be out by ideally the 10th of April, if not the 11th of April at the the latest. The crane was booked and on the day before the Erica was actually craned out of the water, Mike, the person who was going to be doing all the work on the Erica, fell ill and with a chest infection and needed to take a COVID test. So we decided to stick to the plan and have the Erica out of the water Um and also formulated plan B, C and D with the help of other boaters here. And so we took the short trip down the canal to where she was very gently and very carefully hoisted out onto dry land. I have some photographs and little videos that I've been posting on the Facebook page, Instagram and Twitter pages, if you're interested in in looking at that. A couple of you have actually asked, did I find it difficult seeing the Erica balanced on those two straps high up in the air? And I know Donna did but to be honest, it didn't affect me as much as I thought it would. In fact, the thing that surprisingly I did find the most difficult was actually leaving her out of the water, out of her environment, sitting there on those couple of sleepers in the the yard of a farm. It was an emotional rather than an intellectual or cognitive fear. She was, to me, horribly close to the towpath on the other side of the hedge, vulnerable and almost forlorn-looking. And it was like leaving a friend lost and alone in some huge A&D department or the first day at big school. For five long days, we were in this strange and frustrating limbo where both Donna and I were caught up in work and so we couldn't go down and get started on the work, even though the weather, though taking a bit of a chillier turn, was absolutely perfect for washing down and all those fairly menial, simple jobs of prepping. And on our walks, Penny and I would wander down the towpath to check that Erica was okay. But I was also aware of a new weather front that was threatening to bring a lot of wet weather, if not snow. And that was coming in, and time was just ticking by. We'd calculated that we would need one day to pressure wash the hull, and get it clean and then dried in preparation for blacking and then a day per coat and to dry and a day to harden. Unfortunately, it was Easter, so I could work pretty much without much distraction and interruption. So I actually got the work completed earlier than I anticipated and went down to say hello to Erica and the others who were working down there already to find that she was cleaned and already drying off and ready for that first coat in the morning. I was free the next day so Mike and I could get on with the blacking. It was a day of April sunshine and March skies. Great slabs of gnarly clouds creating huge walls of every shade of grey, and a vicious wind chill. I had the roller and Mike had the brush, rolling the paint as thick and as black as treacle, daubing and splotching, oozing as it's spreading it knife thick along the hull. The north wind that had sprung up. "'sent eddying dust devils around the yard. "'And together Mike and I chatted as we worked, "'noses running like taps while we dabbed "'and pasted the thick, viscous, glutinous licorice paint. "'My first car was a 2CV. "'Donna was my girlfriend then, and she still is now, "'but the 2CV has rotted away. "'Mike's was a Metro, And we swapped stories of cars and life with hands reddened in the wind. Hard snow pellets and blackthorn blossom whipped and swirled against the enveloping universe of ballistic black bitumen. It reminded me of those driveways you used to get when I was a lad, white pebbles sprinkled across that jet-black tarmacadam but it was hard and hot work and satisfying. And slowly the Erica was transformed plate by plate, no longer looking abandoned, but loved and clean. Mike welded on the anodes, and the Erica was finished with a day to spare. And so on Friday the crane was back, its crew of operators as cheerful as they were skillful with that strange mix of absolute raw brute power and strength and the most delicate of handling, the epitome of an iron fist in a velvet glove. This time, as the boat gently and precisely, but with complete lack of hesitation, kissed the water and settled, she was out of sight of the crane driver. It was an incredible job. This was canal time operating par excellence, but like canal time, it always, as we keep getting assured, work out in the end. And if we had a bit of a roller coaster of a week, so have the other communities here. The hedgerows are still swathed in blackthorn lace while dandelions and celandine and chalky blue speedwells colour the rich emerald fields. But the swans seem to be having a bit of a hard time of it. A number of eggs have been laid, and the pen, the female, has been sitting, but four or five eggs have been discarded. And also we've had our first hatching of ducklings, but they have disappeared. I'll update you properly on their news next week. We're all exhausted here, and it's warm and the stoves are glowing, and the temperature's dipping outside. So I'll bid you a very good night and hope to speak to you soon. Good night. Temperature outside, 1.5 degrees. Inside, 24 degrees. Humidity, 82%. Dew point, zero degrees. Wind direction, north. Wind strength, seven miles per hour. Barometric pressure, 1015.6 and rising. Cloud cover, 86%. Cloud ceiling, 40,000 feet. Precipitation, 0.25 millimeters. Moon phase, 1.4%. Waning crescent. Day length, 13 hours, 36 minutes. Sunset. 1956 Skycasting 618